Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. You know, in the world of entertainment, um, not that I'm a great expert on the world of entertainment, but in the world of entertainment, one of the things that seems to be trying to um, get people's attention, and whether it's uh, video shows or television shows or, um, or movies, one of the things that people are working towards is how to make the experience as immersive as possible. In other words, you want to try and help people feel like they're right there. So whether it's movie theaters that have the screens down the side now as well as the front, or they do things like, you know, they uh, make your... Sh- chair shake when you're in an earthquake or you have water spitting at you when it's raining or whatever it is all these video games and things that you see um, I look over the shoulders of my kids sometimes and and watch the screen and what they're doing and some of the the graphics are just incredible you look at uh, what people are doing and you think man these people are so brilliant and and they what they are doing with this with the images that they're producing make you feel like you're right there you're right in the middle. Of course, if you put these things on your head, I haven't tried that yet. I'm not sure if I even want to. Um, you can see these things all around you, and you're like right there in the moment. The idea is to make it as immersive, as real as possible, so you actually feel like you're there. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about a man from the Bible who had the same heart. He wanted to create an experience that was as immersive as possible for his people to meet God in. I want to talk to you this morning about the greatest immersive experience of them all. You can do some amazing things in movie theaters. You can do some amazing things in video games and with helmets on your head that do all sorts of things. But I don't believe there's anything more amazing than being in the manifest, real, tangible, touchable, feelable presence of Almighty God. And the man that we're going to talk about this morning, that was his heart. He wanted to make God so real for the people that he was leading that he wanted them to have an experience of God that would transform them and the people around them. We're going to read about him this morning in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. It's King David. Just to give you a little bit of a history of how we get to the point where we are now, last week we were talking about Moses' tabernacle and the fact that God wanted to dwell among his people. He wanted a place that was a holy place. He wanted a place that was a dwelling place with them. He wanted a place that was going to affect them and change them and transform them. He wanted to be real right among his people. He wanted to be right in the center of his people. And so he encouraged them to build this tent. And it was an ornate tent, and it had all sorts of different layers on it, and it was covered over with skins, and inside the outer walls of the tent, there was other walls that held the holy place, and inside of that, there were other walls that was the holy of holies, and in the middle of the holy of holies was the Ark of the Covenant of God, which only one person once a year could go in, and that only after special sacrifices and offerings, which is where the presence of God was. And what I didn't get to last week was that at the end of all of that, the people partnered with God. They partnered with God by bringing what they had 
to help build it. They partnered with God by bringing who they were to help put this thing together. But they partnered with God, God said, don't do it out of compulsion. Don't do it out of duty, out of pressure. You have to do these things or something bad is going to happen to you. God said, I want you to do this thing when your heart moves you. I want you to be moved in your heart to come towards me. I don't want you to have to do it out of pressure. Must do this, otherwise something bad's going to happen. Some punishment's going to happen. I want you to do it because your heart's moving you. 600 years later, after the power and the presence of God filled that tabernacle, the people of God have drifted away from that heart. The tabernacle is in a place called Gibeon. The presence of the Lord that was there, the tangible presence of the Lord is no longer there in the same way. The priests who've been asked to look after the tabernacle have done a bad job of looking after it. Some of them are doing some really bad things there. People have stopped bringing their offerings into the temple, into the tabernacle rather. And what was the glory of that tabernacle? It's been hundreds of years since it was that way. They started worshiping other gods. They've started having other things at the center of their lives. And Israel has moved on. But God in every generation raises up men and women whose hearts move them back towards the presence and the power of Almighty God in the midst of his people. And David was such a person. Let me read this for you about the story out of 1 Chronicles chapter 16. It says this, David, they brought in the ark of God. I'm going to explain what he did in a moment. But they brought it in and set it inside a tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. And then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief. Second to him was Zechariah, Jael, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Mattithiah, Eliab, Benaiah, Obed, Edom, and Jael, who were to play harps and lyres. Asaph was to sound the cymbals. Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. And then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. And then they sing a song which we're going to come to at the end. But come with me to verse 37. So David left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister regularly before the Ark as each day required. And also Obed-Edom and his 68 brothers. How many? 68. Wow. While Obed-Edom, the son of Jeduthun and Hosea were to be gatekeepers. And he left Zadok the priest and his brothers, the priests, before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high place. This was at Gibeon to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering regularly morning and evening to do all that is written in the law of the Lord that he commanded Israel. With them were Heban and Jethian and the rest of those chosen and expressly named to give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Heman and Jeduthun had trumpets and cymbals for the music and instruments for sacred songs. The sons of Jeduthun were appointed to the gate and then all the people departed each to his house and David went home to bless his household. Here's what had happened. The presence of God had left the tabernacle 
in the way that it had been there 600 years before. The people of God had drifted away from having God at the center of their lives. They had idols that they were worshiping. They were doing other things. They'd forgotten the law of God, and they drifted away from him. David became king, and God made him king because God said he has a heart after my heart. He has a heart that's going to move him to do what God wanted to see happen. And so David let his heart move him. And when he let his heart move him, he was moved to do things that actually God hadn't told him to do. He did things actually that seemed to go against what God had asked them to do. Let me explain that to you. The ark of God is in the tabernacle of God in Gibeon with the priests. David is in Jerusalem, now become the center of Israel. And David thinks to himself, the presence of God needs to be in the middle of his people, not out to the side, right in the center. And so he's going to go to Gibeon and he's going to take the ark and he's going to bring it out of the tabernacle. That God told him to put the ark in the middle of the tabernacle. And David's not going to bring it out of the tabernacle. And we're going to bring it right into the center. Well, then bring the tabernacle with you and pitch the tabernacle in Jerusalem. No, we're going to leave the tabernacle behind. Well, where are you going to put the ark then? Well, I'm going to pitch a tent for it. A a, a tent. Yeah, just a tent. The word for tabernacle means there's all sorts of structure to it. All sorts of strength to it. Something that's a little bit more lasting. The word for tent just means tent. Yeah, just a simple thin covering. That's all we're going to do. We're going to put a tent up and we're going to put the ark in the middle. Well, well, what happens to, 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 you know, the ark's got to be behind a a set of a big veil that stops people from getting in. And then there's the holy place and only a few people can go in that. And then there's another big veil and curtain. And then you're into the outer courts. Like, isn't there got to be some distance between the people and the ark? Like, isn't that going to be like a problem? Because if the presence of God comes down in power on that ark, what's that going to do for all the people? You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, David. But his heart moved him. Because he had been made a king of a people who had forgotten God. They'd forgotten what it was to have the presence of God in their midst. They'd forgotten what it was to come into the house of the Lord and to bring their offerings and to bring their gifts with joy. Because they were meeting with God where he really was. And he realized he had a whole generation of people with him. That if he didn't do something, they were going to continue to drift further and further and further away from who they were meant to be as the people of God. And his heart moved him. Other people might have said, well, let's stoke the fires out in Gibeon. Let's, let's just try and work at what we were doing. Let's, let's just try and make it go harder and, and, and we'll put some decrees out and everybody has to come and whatever. And David said, no, 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 no. We're going to go and we're going to get the ark of the presence of God. And we're going to bring it right into the center of the people. 
Well, then you have to put lots of things around it to make sure that people are protected from... No, 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 no. You don't understand. God wants to meet his people and he wants his people to meet with him in a tangible, real, touchable, fully immersive way. So I'm just going to put a tent up. Just a thin veil. And I'm going to bring the ark of the Lord and I'm going to put it right in the middle. Well, David, aren't you risking something like the judgment of God? Yeah, but my heart moves me because there's a people who've forgotten God and they need God in the midst of them again. So David did just that. He brought the ark of the Lord and he put it in the middle of Jerusalem as we've read it here. David's heart moved him because he had a heart like God's heart. And what was that heart that moved him? First of all, it was a heart for the presence of God. If you were part of our New Year's Day services online or in the South you remember that Norm preached to us out of a psalm of this David, Psalm 27. One thing I ask, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the presence of the Lord and to inquire of him in his holy temple. That was his heart. I just want to be with him. I just want to meet with God. But his heart went beyond that. I want my people to meet God. I want my children to meet God. Woe on me as a leader if I lead a people and the children grow up in my house and they never touch the presence of Almighty God. Lord, let that not be. Lord, let that not be. You know, when I came from England... We'd been in the middle of a move of God in England that was going all the way around the world. It was 1987. I'd seen some incredible things happen already. But nothing got me ready for what would happen to me when I came and started teaching at the King's School. Because that's what I did when I first came. I had three years in the King's School. Some of you were there as students. Some of you had your kids there. We were going around the school before school started like we used to do. And we would pray in every classroom. All the staff would go to every classroom and pray. And when we stood in the classroom, we would pray and we would, we would ask the Lord to speak to us and we would prophesy over what God wanted to do. There was a classroom, if you remember the old building at Panet Road, there was a classroom as you came onto the parking lot, it was the top left. It was now offices, but it used to be an L-shaped classroom that included what was now the science room. And we used to use it as a homeroom and as an assembly room. We were up in that room praying. When we were in that room praying, one of our teachers said, I have a picture. She said, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to come so powerfully in this room this year that the window's going to blow in. It's going to be like the window blows in. And we thought, wow, the Holy Spirit wants to move among us. That year in the school, the Holy Spirit moved powerfully. There were days when you could not teach your class. I would start teaching the class. Other people would start teaching their classes. The Holy Spirit would come on the kids and you would lose the class. Some of them would be laughing. Some of them would be crying. Some of them would be on their face before the Lord. You would just lose the class. And at one point during the year, we were upstairs in that L-shaped classroom. We were speaking and having an assembly. There was some sort of call to repentance for the kids. The Holy Spirit came into the room. Power of the Most High God. Those kids fell on their faces in the classroom. They were crying out to God. 
to help them where they were. And a wind blew in and blew the window in of the classroom. I was there. Woe to us if we have a generation of children that grow up in our house and never know the manifest presence of God. David had a heart to make God the most immersive experience on earth. David had obviously experienced it himself. And he wanted it for everybody else. And I know that in the journey of a church and in the lives of the church, if you look down over history, there are moments when God is very close in manifest presence. And then there are other times God is always with us. God never leaves us. His presence is always here. But I'm talking about a tangible, touchable God in the midst of his people. And if you've never had that, happened to you or been part of that. We've got a week left of prayer and fasting. And I want to encourage you to bring the presence of God into the center of your lives, whatever that might mean to you. And Say, Lord God, I want you to meet me in this place. I want you to meet my kids. I want you to meet my family. I want you to meet my loved ones, the people that I work with, the people around me. That, Lord, your house would be so full of your presence that people will come and meet God. Not just hear a nice sermon, sing some nice songs, but they actually meet Jesus in this place. You know, after David, and he brought the ark of the Lord right into the middle to me, touchable, seeable, whatever, by the whole people, not just one priest once a year. Solomon builds a temple. We'll talk about that next week. The next house of God. They put the ark back into the middle of the temple, which I think is probably what it was meant to do, but it was never the heart of God that his presence should be so surrounded by all sorts of different curtains and paraphernalia and whatever that people wouldn't be able to really meet with him. And so he sent his one and only son who had a heart like his heart. He had a heart of David. He came and he died on a cross so that he could take hold of that veil in the temple from top to bottom and rip it so that it would never be put back together again. Because God wants his presence in the middle of his people. And God wants us to touch his presence. David had a heart for the presence of God. What else did David do? Well, David had a heart for praise and worship. Look what he does here. And this is the first time in the Bible that we note this. There have been some songs that have been sung before. Miriam sang some songs when the Israelites got out of the Red Sea. Moses sang a song, which was part of all of that. It's being sung in heaven to this day. You can read it in Revelation. They're actually singing the song of Moses. A man wrote a song in heaven singing it. How neat is that? It actually tells you something about who we are. God created men and women and boys and girls to change the worship of heaven. Think about that. We can write the songs that heaven sings. That's incredible because we have a place in the presence of God. And so David gets together musicians. This has never happened before this way. 
Not just tambourine players and trumpet players, but he's got all sorts of people. This is out of chapter 15. He's got people who play harps and lyres and cymbals to raise sounds of joy. He has all these people that are trained in these things. And then he puts them under the leadership of a guy called Chenaniah, who was the leader of the Levites in music because he understood it. In other words, he had people that were trained in music and were able to do things. They had skill in it. And he put them together and he brought them to this tent. And he said, listen, I want you all day, every day and every night to sing and make music and melody in your hearts to the Lord. We're going to fill this tent with praise. God's going to fill it with his presence. We're going to fill it with our praise. That's our piece of the, uh, of the jigsaw here. And I want you to get together and do it. And he shouldn't have been a surprise to us because David himself was a skilled musician and a singer and a songwriter. And when God puts leaders in the house that have those sorts of gifts, you know that that's going to flow out into the people. Should have been no surprise to us that we started a school. When you look at the leaders and you go through the elders and their wives, there's teacher after teacher after teacher after teacher after teacher that's part of that team. Full of teachers. Why did God do that? Well, because God was going to put it into some of our parents to start a school and he was going to bring a leadership in to help lead and guide that school and bring it into existence. I said last week at the beginning of... Um, when they were building the building back at Panet Road, they would worship and they would pray. Worship is right at the core of who we are as Gateway Church. Always has been. Worship and the presence of God. And right from the earliest days, Carl and Rhoda and the others who were leading worship would bring us into the presence of God. And God sent a leader to us, Ron, who was a prayer, and his wife Mary, who is a worshiper. And she has filled this house with worship and with songs and with praise to God. It's no, no surprise we're a worshiping house. It might surprise you to know that um, the four of us, Chris and Meg and myself and Julia, apart from us all being English, one of the other things that joins us together is that we're all trained musicians. God does things when he brings people together because he's looking to release gifts and graces into a house, into a place. We're so blessed by all those that lead worship for us every Sunday, are we not? And what they do, especially all the way through COVID. You know, some of these folks came out in COVID and stood on that stage, nobody in front of us, and, and they would sing their hearts away to the Lord to a camera. No other response. Thank you, all of you. You have blessed us, yeah. <laughs> David wanted to fill his house with praise but not just his own praise and not just the praise of his people he had something much bigger on his heart and his mind let me read you some of the song that we're going to end with in a minute here sing to the lord who me my household maybe a few friends that we gather around some worship people sing to the lord all the earth Wow. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. All the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. 
Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. But let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Oh, when David had on his heart an immersive experience of God, he had such a vision, such a grand scale vision which was the heart of God that had been put in his heart. It wasn't just to have a nice praise and worship meeting in Jerusalem that people could come and say, that warmed my heart and go back to their home and live as they did before. He wanted to bring the presence of God into the center of Jerusalem so that the people would see that God was in the house and that there's nothing else on this earth that's worth worshiping like that God and our God is worth worshiping. But it wasn't just even his own people that came in and out of Jerusalem. He wanted the nations to know. The people that came from other lands. That came and brought their goods. The people who brought their wares into Jerusalem. And they came over the hills down towards Jerusalem. And at night time they're looking out over Jerusalem. And they're wondering what is that glow I see in the middle of Jerusalem. What is the light I see? What's the sound I'm hearing? I'm hearing people singing. It's two o'clock in the morning. What is going on? God is in the house. And David had a passion that the praise and worship that was going on in that little place in Jerusalem would one day fill the earth with his glory. The people from every tribe, from every nation, from every peoples under heaven would be singing praise and glory and adoration and honor and power and dominion and strength to our God who sits upon the throne. The Lord that rules over all. The Lord that loves us all. That loves every tribe and every nation and every people under heaven. And he's created us to sing his praise and to sing his glory and to fill earth and heaven with his glory like nobody else can. The angels can't sing like we can sing. Or oh, they might have better voices, but they don't know what it is to be redeemed. We sing the song of the redeemed. We sing the song of people who knew we were lost, who knew we were apart from God. We were apart from his presence, and there was no way that we could come back. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on a cross for us, to tear the veil from top to bottom, to bring us back into the presence of his glory, that we might be with him forever. God loves the nations of the earth. Maybe we'll talk about it more next week because I've run out of time today. Let the nations be glad. Give me a nation that's not crying today. Isn't it true? There's pain all over our world. Pain in your world. Pain around you. Let the nations be glad. Let them sing for joy. What? Yeah, because they've got a God who loves them. Who wants to know them 
and wants to bring them into the fullness of all he is to give them the greatest immersive experience you will ever get. It beats the new Keldonan Place Cinemaplex What's It. <laughs> Some of you don't look convinced. It really does. I want to encourage you this week of prayer and fasting. If you haven't already taken part, set aside time for the Lord. Consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow, God wants to do wonders among you. Bring what you have and who you are when your heart moves you. And let your heart be moved for the presence of God, for the praise of God, and for the people of God. From all the nations of the earth. I want to do something to finish, if you will humor me. I want to finish by reading together portions of the psalm that David sang when they set up this tabernacle of the presence of the Lord in the midst of his people, his tent. Okay? We're singing something that is at least two and a half thousand years old. If you don't think that's awesome, I, I, I do. It's two and a half thousand years old, but it's as true now as it ever was. And so I want us to read it together. And we're going to read it congregationally. So I'm going to read you some parts and you can read other parts back, okay? Are you ready to, to do this meeting? All right, why don't you stand with me this morning? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Seek his presence continually. Keep running after me, God says. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's just pray the next few lines together. Save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be the Lord. The God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's Word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.